0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, welcome back to this week's episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Cook, and this week, like always, we're talking about strategies to build your wellness business with digital marketing. And this week, I am so excited that we are talking with Angela Loria about how to write a book that actually gets results for your business. This is really different than anything else you've heard about book writing, because this is not just about creating the book that's in you, but it's about strategically thinking about how can a book build your business in terms of getting more leads and inquiries, helping you get more speaking opportunities, and ultimately helping you generate more revenue. And then taking that strategic plan and matching it with what you are dying to write about and what you really want to bring out to the world, and then creating a book that meets those goals. I came across Angela in an online summit, and I absolutely loved her approach because it just made sense. Yes, there's books that we want to write just because we're passionate about it. But as a business owner, if you'd like to write a book that's really going to benefit your business, you want to follow Angela's approach. So I think you'll really enjoy this interview with Angela Loria. And just before we get into that, I just wanted to remind you, for those of you that are not total beginners, but that already have maybe a website or a landing page and have your email list set up, but feel like you're just not getting traction online, you definitely want to go download my new free guide, which is called The Missing Piece. I know when I started my own business, I felt like there was just some piece missing that if I could only find it, it would help me to actually get revenue and clients and more leads flowing through my website. And so that's what this guide is all about. I'm showing you my digital marketing system and walking you through the process to identify your own missing piece. You can get that at wellpreneuronline.com slash missing piece and of course, you can get the link to that as well as all the other links we're going to talk about in this interview with Angela in the show notes, which you can get if you just tap on the picture of the podcast. So it'll take you to the show notes directly on your phone, which is so super cool. Or you can get them at wellpruneronline.com slash 81. Okay, now let's listen in to my conversation with Angela Gloria. Hi, Angela. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Amanda. I'm excited to be here. I've been so excited to bring you on the podcast as a guest because I heard you speak at an online summit, actually, and everything you were saying was just so resonating with me and what I hear Wellpreneurs talking about, namely that everyone wants to write a book and that they have no idea how to go about it. And that everybody wants to start by writing the book. And you basically said, don't start by writing the book. Start with this other stuff first. So that's all the goodness I want to dive into with awesome. you today.
1: Well, like, here's the thing is that writing is something that we learn to do in elementary school. Most of us wrote papers in high school or college. And so when we are starting our Career as an entrepreneur or running a business, maybe even if you still have a full time job, what happens is people get this idea to do a book and they think, well, I know how to write. So I should just start writing. And it seems like something you should know how to do, but there's a little more science behind writing a book that actually makes a difference than just the writing. Now, I would say if you're just into creative writing, sort of like if you were into pottery. Like, sure, just write. There's nothing wrong with writing. But if you want to change the lives of your readers and if you want to have an impact on your business, it's not really a super smart way to get what you want out of your book. Mm. You may end up with a book, although most people stop about 20 pages in. But whether you end up with a book or not is less relevant to me than if it's a book that makes a difference.
0: Let's dig into that a little bit because one of the things you said is, you might not get what you want out of it. You know, you might even get a book at the end, but if nobody's buying it and it, you know, it just kind of sits there, maybe it's not really having the impact that you want. So could you talk a little bit about what having a book can do for our businesses? Like why really, and not just the fact that people want to say, Oh, I want to say that I've written a book, which is a big motivation, but from a business perspective, what does a book do for us?
1: Well, there's one thing that's kind of cool, which is even if you write a really crappy book and you have a terrible cover and it's horribly edited, if you post that book online and your book is published, you're an author. And that's a credential that can't be taken away from you. And so even if you do a terrible job and you finish, there is the upside that you get to say you wrote a book. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is that many people who want to have a book have a lot of things they want. So they want to be on TV and they want to be a speaker and they want to be able to hire staff and they want to be able to get more clients and they have 20 or 30, like I've had authors list off a hundred things they want from their book. And as amazing as having a book is, that's really too much to ask for. And so what we have our authors focus on is one outcome, just one. And when they focus on that one outcome and write a book specifically to get that outcome, and I'll give you some examples of those in a second, then what happens is they get a bunch of other stuff too. So they end up with, if they have a book, so we have three main types of books where people are either focusing on clients, we call that a client conversion book, On speaking opportunities, we call that a platform speaking book and on list building. So that's our list building book. And they'll set a very specific goal, like four paid speaking gigs a month or 10 clients a month at $1,000 each. Or 100 clients, oh, I have one author who does 500 clients a month at $35 each. So they'll set a very specific dollar goal. And in the process, like that client who does 500, she's actually, she runs virtual 5K races. Her book is called Running with Curves. And after you read her book, you can sign up to run a virtual 5K race with her and it's $35 and you get some cool bling with that. And so she has about 500 people to 750 people a month join her virtual races from her book, which is awesome. But also yesterday, Prevention Magazine reached out to her to feature her. She's been in Beginning Runner Magazine. She's had speaking opportunities on race day at certain events. She runs workshops. She does things other than sell her virtual race from her book. But because her book is so focused on getting that outcome, that's why she gets the other stuff too. So it's actually the opposite of what we think. Most people think by being generic about their goals that they'll get more things, But if you're really specific about your goal, like my goal is to sell 500 people into my virtual race for $35, we can write a book that gets you that result. When you're getting that result, other people are going to notice you and they're going to call you and ask you to speak or feature you in the media. She was in Cosmo. She has several endorsement deals where she represents certain product lines clothing brands, a bra line, things like that. And those all came out of the book, but because she was so focused on what her specific goal was.
0: Oh, right. And so there's a difference in writing a book for list building versus speaking opportunities?
1: Oh, massive difference. So I'll give you that one real quick. If you want to grow your list, you have to have a book. You have two options with your book. One, you can use your book purely as a lead magnet. So in which case, don't Publish it like on Amazon or in bookstores. Only use it as as a lead magnet on your site, and there's a very specific way to do that. But the best way to build your list with a book is to have your book require people to give you their email address. And the way you do that is with a book like uh, Strengths Finder 2.0 or any sort of personality quiz. In order to read the book, you really have to take the quiz. So if you had a fitness program. You might have required videos that are part of the book, that the only way they can really read the book is if they go to your website and watch the video. And to watch the video, they need to give you their email address. That's how you set up a list building book. Mm, Good
0: plan. That
1: might get you hired as the speaker, but probably not because it's probably much more practical. Like if you think about a book describing different personality types, that doesn't really want to make me hire that person as a speaker. But if you want to be a speaker, you need to write a book more like a Malcolm Gladwell book that's super focused on storytelling and that has one big idea that's pretty cutting edge. So you have to look at something. It can't just be there's nothing wrong with reframing or sharing advice that you've gotten in other places in a new way. That's perfectly fine. That's a great way to get clients. But in terms of speaking, you want to have a new idea, some fresh ground that you cut And then you want to tell multiple stories in support of that idea. That's what's going to make somebody want to book you as a speaker. Now, that doesn't mean people won't add themselves to your list when they read your book and love it. Doesn't mean you won't get some clients. But by doing a super focused book, you'll actually get more of the other things because people will get who you are and what you're bringing
0: to the table for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I bet a lot of people hadn't thought about their books that way. So can you kind of tell us where first time authors go wrong. And I know one thing that you said is we start by writing. And so I just love to know, you know, if you could dig into that. And also just what do we do wrong when we get started?
1: Well, I'm going to say something kind of mean. My clients call me mercilessly helpful. And so I hope even though you guys don't know me, you will know that I'm being mercilessly helpful. But the mistake that so many first time authors make, especially authors who really want to help people, healers. People who understand the value of health and wellness, people who really want to make a difference in their readers' lives, it turns out most of them are pretty selfish when it comes to writing their book. And I know that they get hurt when I say that or they think I'm not talking to them. But if you really think I'm not talking to you right now, I'm probably talking directly to you because I think the most selfish thing we do as authors is when we try to tell people all the stuff we know, like how awesome it is to go green or how awesome it is to eat vegan or all the things that we've learned for ourselves. When we try and push those things on our reader without really understanding where our reader is and what their problem is and how to get them to join up with us, how to meet them on the path instead of trying to like stuff our good ideas down their throat. That's where we go wrong and we lose people and we sound preachy and our family doesn't hopes we don't bring up the topic of, you know, whatever gluten free at Christmas dinner. They don't want to hear it anymore. That's what I see so much with healers is we have these things that have saved our lives in so many ways and we try and stuff it down people's throats and that is not how you create change
0: if everyone out there looks at themselves objectively, you've probably been in a situation where someone's tried to do that. Like, I know I certainly have. And it's just not effective because until that person's ready to like implement stuff themselves, it doesn't really matter how much you tell them, right? So what do you... You
1: have to dig first into the problem. You have to identify the problem that it's showing up in their life. And if you think back to your life, the way that you went on your journey was probably through some problem or insight It might've been big, it might've been small. It might've been acne in eighth grade, or it might've been like a horrible breakup at 32. But there was probably some source of pain that led you to find the stuff that you found. Like I have an amazing friend who's a yoga teacher. Her name is Karen Young. And she had, I think she was in a car accident. It was some sort of accident. And she had some compressed discs. And for years, she had horrible, horrible neck pain. And then she found yoga and she is an amazing yoga instructor and yoga has completely saved her life. And she has a program called Yoga for Athletes, which is awesome. But the truth is that just talking about how awesome yoga is and how centered you feel and how strong your core strength is and how important it is to be flexible, most people aren't going to take action on that. When Karen took action is when she had compressed discs in her neck and she was 28 years old and couldn't move. And so you want to be brave enough. And this is why I say that most authors that are healers are selfish. They want to shove this idea down your throat so much. They want it to apply to everyone. And you have to be brave enough to narrow down what you do to solving a problem for people with problems. So while Karen does yoga for athletes, which is awesome and and she's amazing, if she wanted to help people with neck pain, like focusing on that very small thing of, you know, yoga for people with neck pain who were injured in a car accident between five and 10 years ago. Now, that's scary as an entrepreneur because we think, but how many people have accents? Like I've just narrowed my audience from everyone in the world to like 16 people. But that's actually where you end up helping more people and getting more clients, even though it seems counterintuitive. You'll even get clients who will say to you, well, I don't have neck pain. I actually have shoulder pain. And it wasn't from a car accident. It's from arthritis. But I really think you'd be able to help me. Would you consider working with me? Hmm. Whereas if you just say yoga for athletes or yoga for yoga's sake, <laughs> yoga because it's awesome, you're going to get people who are already converted to your religion. Which is great. And sometimes that's good enough, but you will not grow a new fan base. You will not be able to create change. You'll maybe be able to help people who already believe in what you do do more of it.
0: Mm. I guess the first thing I'm hearing is figure out what you want from it and then get really super specific about who you can help.
1: Exactly.
0: So, who is
1: what we say? It's actually step number one for us, which is who's your ideal reader and what are they searching for on Google at 3 a.m.? What's the thing that's keeping them up? And really only only wondering, only worrying about that one person. What are they Googling? And what is bothering them so much that they would invest in solving it? And then when you know your outcome, you can marry those two together to create a book that's going to get you the outcome you want for your business. And for your reader, the question I always ask is, how do you want your reader to be different at the end of the book? So for most people who want to, I'm going to give you a little hack here. For most people who want to use their book to get clients, so if you're a nutritionist or if you're a a Reiki practitioner or a yoga instructor and your goal for having a book or thinking about a book is to attract more clients, there's a question that I ask everybody about their book, which is how do you want your reader to be different at the end of the book? But if you want your book to lead to more clients, here's how you want to structure that answer. At the end of the book, they'll know X is possible. So healing from their neck pain is possible. They can do it on their own, but with my help, it will be faster and easier and more of a sure thing.
0: Cool, Cool. so you're basically like empowering them to do it on their own, but why wouldn't they just pay you and then they can get it, make sure they get the result even quicker. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
1: So if you get my book, The Difference, 10 Steps to Writing a Book That Matters, I will teach you absolutely 100% of everything that we do with our authors in the program. So we have a team of editors. We have a team of designers. They get to work with me as a book coach. And we have a very established process. We've run 100 people through at this point. And in my book, I teach that exact process. But for somebody to replicate that and find a designer who's as amazing as our designers and to find editors who are as great as our designers and to find a book coach or to design it on their own and develop design skills and to understand how we do our search algorithms and how we make your book findable and how we create a bestseller, like I explain every single step of it. But I can also tell you it's going to be a whole lot easier and a whole lot faster and much more of a sure thing if you do it with me.
0: Awesome. So, can you talk some more about some mistakes that first time authors make? I
1: think one of the other things, and this is, I understand this, but there's so much hiding. There's so much fear of I'm not good enough. People's third grade teachers tortured them. I'm not a good enough writer. You know, I'm not sure I have a solution here that's inventive enough. I'm not creative enough. There's so much I'm not enoughness in writing. And writing for a lot of people brings out a lot of you know, a lot of little gremlins. (laughs) Um, I think there's a lot of childhood wounds from writing. And most people write going for that A from their English teacher or their history teacher. And the thing is, like, we're not in school anymore. And the only grade that matters is the grade from your readers whose lives you can change. And if you don't turn your assignment in, if you don't do the book that you are on this planet to write, you're going to get an F on your assignment. You're not going to change anyone's lives with a book if you don't publish it. And the grade that you get from your reader is not going to be based on how awesome your writing skills are or how creative you are, all the other things you're worried about. It's going to be based on, did you help them? And if you help them a lot, you get an A and they'll forgive so many things. Now, that's not to say I don't believe in editors and stuff like that. But really all the fears around am I good enough is really just taking away opportunities to help people heal with the things in the areas where you're ahead of them. There are things you know, there are things you've learned probably the hard way. And when you keep those from other people on the grounds that you might not be good enough, it seems to me like That's really, you're evaluating yourself by a standard that your reader would never evaluate yourself from. If they're in pain, if you've had neck pain for seven years and someone's sitting on the answer and they don't give it to you, how do you justify that? Because I didn't
0: think I was a good enough writer. It just doesn't add up. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for saying that. Yeah. Because I think we can just hold ourselves back so much and, you know, it's not perfect enough and, oh, I don't have a budget to make it look so professional. And Mm -hmm. professionalism is a huge hang up that I see that people get so sure. caught up on oh it has to look super professional or it's not professional enough and i love that you said it's your duty if you've got something that can help people it's your responsibility to put it it's out there
1: true. like if you met that person in 5 years like you figured out this thing how to heal from a breakup or how to solve you know leaky gut syndrome or how to recover from years of Lyme disease like if you figured this thing out and you were to meet somebody in 5 years who's been suffering With the thing you know how to fix for sure. And you meet this person, she's like, Oh my God, I've had Lyme disease. I didn't even know it. It's been 20 years, but I didn't even realize I had it. And I've been in so much pain and my joints have been aching and I've had all these problems. And I finally just figured it out. And if you knew, if you're across the table or eye to eye with this person and you knew you could have solved it five years ago, but you just weren't brave enough to risk somebody saying you're not a good writer. How do you respond to that person? Like, how do you not say back, like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I could have solved this for you five years ago, but I was worried you would think I was a bad
0: writer. Yeah. When you put it like that, it uh, really puts it into perspective, I think. <laughs> yeah. So what about writer's block? And I think people have a lot of resistance. Maybe it's because we were saying, like, we're trying to write for the A and we're trying to write for the teacher. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you have those moments, even people that love to write, where you just get resistant. So what do you recommend in that situation?
1: Okay, so here's my take on writer. I have a long history of struggling with my weight. And I used to feel good on days when I didn't overeat and bad on days when I did overeat. And then I learned this trick, which was that overeating was a sign from me to me to get my attention. And now when I overeat, I'm fascinated because it doesn't happen that often. So I'm like, oh, what's going on for me? What am I afraid of? What am I blocking? What do I not want to hear? Who am I mad at that I haven't, you know, expressed that or processed that anger? So when I overeat now, I get really excited because I know that it's a sign and I know exactly what to do with that sign. And that to me is what writer's block is. Writer's block is something to lean into, not to be afraid of, because it's a message from your inner author to you about something you're missing with your book. Maybe it's an opportunity to go deeper. Maybe you're being shallow and not showing up as authentically as you can. Maybe there's another topic you're supposed to be writing about in the book in general or on this specific day. But if you can lean into your writer's block, and we have lots of tools for our authors to do that. But the one I would give your listeners right now is just with your dominant hand, write, what is my writer's block trying to tell me? And with your non-dominant hand, I do this on a typewriter because I'm a cheat, but I'll type just with my left hand and get that answer to what is this writer's block trying to show me? And when you type with your non-dominant hand, you obviously can have less of a flow, but you can also bullshit yourself less, which is what I like about it. And so when you ask yourself that question and get still and centered, I bet you will be surprised to find out your writer's block is actually the greatest gift you have as a writer and not something to be afraid of.
0: So let's shift to the other side of the whole book writing process, because I know that writing the book is just a fraction of actually what you need to do with the book. So can you talk a little bit about the whole idea of book launches?
1: Yeah, I can. But I want to say this first. So Mm -hmm. writing your book is about 20% of the effort of having a book, the actual writing process. But the way you write your book and everything that happens before you're published controls about 80% of your success. So what I hear people say a lot, and if you're a listener and you've said this, Um, I want you to check yourself here and make a little note in your journal or your computer. Most people say is, I just want to focus on writing the book. And when I get the book written, then I'm going to do the marketing. And very often they'll even tell me they're ready to spend money on marketing. They're going to hire a publicist. They're going to do one of those fancy book launches. They're going to spend money on a marketing coach, but they're going to do that after they write the book. And here is the problem with that. 80% of your marketing is in your book, your title your chapter titles, the offers that you put inside your book, the type of book you write, the way you write it, the cover design, all those things are locked when your book is done. And so if you have the wrong book, you could do all the marketing in the world. You could have a $30,000 a month marketing budget, and you're not going to get nearly the amount of juice that you would if you wrote the right book. You'll get a fraction of that, probably about 20%. So that's the first thing to know about launches. It's not just about doing the marketing right. It's about having the right book to market. Does that make sense?
0: Mm -hmm, Totally.
1: So when it comes to launching your book, one of the things I think a lot of people don't know is that the bestseller thing you hear all the time, like, I'm a bestseller. This person's going to make me a bestseller. This person has a bestseller blueprint program. But a lot of people don't realize why that's important. Most people think they want to be a bestseller because it means you sold the most books and therefore you got the most revenue. That is not the truth. (laughs) That is not at all what bestseller means. So, So being a bestseller has a couple different components to it. When you see the New York Times bestsellers, many of those bestsellers are calculated campaigns with a completely different outcome than book sales in the short term. What I mean by that is a New York Times bestseller in most cases will invest between a quarter of a million and a half a million dollars to ensure that they get on the bestseller list. And there's a very specific process for that. And by selling those books up front, the, it's roughly 50,000 books that will get you on the, the New York Times bestseller list anywhere between 35,000 and 85,000 depending on when your book comes out. Those book sales by essentially paying for those book sales and the marketing campaign to get those book sales up front, the author loses a tremendous amount of money on. But what they get is momentum and recognition which could help them sell their company, which was the case for Tim Ferriss when he did his um, bestseller launch with 4-hour work week. He had a supplements company. And by raising his profile with the 4-Hour Workweek, he didn't make money on that book at first, but what he did do was sell his supplements company and then build a huge platform. And now he sold books on the back of that, but it was about a half a million dollar investment. So a lot of people don't understand the investment that goes into a bestseller. The other kind of bestseller is an Amazon bestseller. And again, you're not going to get rich on book sales. That's actually not what a bestseller campaign is about. You do get the credential, which is nice. You get to say you're a best-selling author. You will make some book sales. But really the purpose behind a bestseller campaign and why many people invest ten dollars to $20,000 to do a bestseller campaign is that Amazon then begins to promote your book to other authors that have similar books. So if you get that bestseller status on Amazon, Amazon will pay for advertising for you on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Google, and they will also send emails to their list of people who bought similar books. So then if you have a book that, let's say, has a program that's $1,500 on the back end, if you were able to sell 10 more books and get one more $1,500 client, the real way you're making money on being a bestseller and having that distinction is because of the exposure and the free advertising that Amazon then brings to the table. Totally different probably than you thought, yeah?
0: Yeah, exactly. I think people think, well, if you're a bestseller, then you're actually you're one of the few that's actually making money through their book. Yep. But not necessarily. Exactly. Yeah. So do you think about the whole marketing and the launch, is that something that people should look at outsourcing or is that something they can do themselves?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I'll say it this way. If you are an expert, let's say in health and wellness, and you are not an expert in marketing, and you would want your clients who are not experts in health and wellness, maybe they're experts in accounting or being a mom or I don't know, uh, window installation. So if you would want a window installer to learn everything about health and wellness and put a plan together for themselves and action it, then you should learn everything that you can about marketing and action your marketing plans. But if you want people who are not health and wellness experts to invest in working with you, then you should probably invest in experts in fields where you aren't to kind of create that karma. I find that people buy exactly the way that people buy from them. So if you're not willing to invest in an expert to get you your results, you're probably struggling to find clients.
0: Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you said that because that's like a totally woo woo crazy thing. But it's so true. It seems like as soon as you step up your game and start investing in stuff and like going pro, right? Yeah, Then better clients show up and more professional, bigger things show up for you as well. It's
1: totally crazy. And I do think it's woo woo, but I got to tell you, Amanda, I think there's science behind this. And I'm not an expert, but I did have an amazing author Janet Dalgleish wrote a book called Your Everyday Superpower With Me. And it blew my mind because what she did was she mapped in this book the law of attraction to neuroscience and what's happening in the brain. And I do think that on some level, if you are thinking the thought, like, I can do it myself, like, I'm a smart girl, I can figure out marketing, even though what I really am is a yoga instructor then you're sending out that energy. And it might be hard to find in the actual words in your emails or your web copy, but you're sending out that energy, that same energy to people that's basically telling them they can do it too. Like you don't really need believe they need to buy your services. So on some level, I think it affects the way we sell and the way we show up. And I think it's more scientific than it might actually
0: appear on the surface. Mm, I'll have to check out her book, Your Everyday Superpower. so <laughs> Awesome. Okay. Well, we're getting to the end of our time together, but I'm wondering if you can just leave us with something that people could get started on this week. So if they've always had that dream of a book, what are the first couple of steps you'd recommend that they, they take?
1: So I'll be a little bit self-promotional here and say, I have an awesome four-part video series that's called How to Write a Book That Makes a Difference. It's on the homepage at the Author Incubator. And it actually walks people through a lot of these steps. So if you're somebody, and they're short videos, they're like three to five minutes each. But if you're somebody who kind of likes to take guidance and prompts and have some homework and exercises, I think you'll really like those videos. My advice to anyone who wants to get started is to start by identifying their ideal reader, write down the problem they have in their words. So not in your words, but in the ideal reader's words, and then get very clear on those outcomes that you want from your book. And what I tell people to do that are in my program is to even do that three or four different ways. So imagine you wanted platform speaking. Would you be solving the same problem for the same person? How might that book be different? Because once you can just practice with the different types of books and solving a specific problem instead of telling your life story or sharing everything you've learned over 20 years of taking certification programs. Once you can start thinking like that, it's a muscle that you get to really practice and you get to realize you can write multiple books. Your first book doesn't have to be your last once you know how to set up a a book in a way that's going to get you your results.
0: Cool. Thank you. And tell us about your book, The Difference.
1: Yeah. So it's on Amazon. If you email me and you mention Wellpreneurs in the subject line, I will send you an ebook version. It's called The Difference, 10 Steps to Writing a Book That Matters. And in it, I really do teach the exact process we go through with each and every
0: one of our clients. Awesome. Cool. Thanks so much, Angela. So where can people find you if they want to like learn more, get in touch, join your program? So if you would like a free
1: copy of the ebook that I mentioned, you could just buy it right now. I think it's only like three bucks on Amazon and then you could buy the print version there as well. But if you would like me to email you a PDF instead, just email Angela at The Author Incubator and mention Wellpreneurs. And then if you want to get that free four-part video series, go to theauthorincubator.com. If you sign up for that, you'll end up on our list and you'll get updates on what we're up to and tips and things like that. And then for writers, I have my own podcast on pageuppodcast.com. And I would love for you to listen to that for writing tips when you are actually ready to start writing your book. It's going to give you a lot of great ideas and help for getting your book done.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much, Angela, for being with us today. So it's really, really useful. This
1: was so fun, Amanda. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you're feeling super inspired to go get Angela's book and write your own book that's going to help you grow your business. And if you do, absolutely let me know. You can tweet me at Wellpreneurs with an S on the end. Um, I'd love to hear what your book's about and of course to see it when you launch your book to the world. Again, you can get all of the links to everything we talked about in this episode in the show notes, which you can get to if you just click The little picture of the podcast on your phone, or if you go to wellpreneuronline.com/slash eighty one. Awesome. I hope you have a fantastic week, and I will see you back here with the next episode.